Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 250 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have AJ O'Neill. Yo, 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 coming at you live once again from the sweet Dapply Labs of Provo. Amy Knight. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Quick reminder about JS Remote Conf coming up fast, so uh, get your tickets. Um, this this is our 250th episode. Now, we did record this a little out of order, so it's probably our 253rd or something. But um, yeah, let's let's celebrate 250 episodes. That's five years of podcasting. Whoa, that's a long time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So AJ, you've you've been a panelist the entire time, haven't you? Or pretty close? I think so. I think I was right there in episode one or two or something like that. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it was funny when we got started. It was uh, I had been doing Ruby Rogues, and Jameson said that he wanted to do something similar for JavaScript Jabber. And I remember talking to him and trying to help him figure out how he wanted to do it. And then I think eventually we just kind of got to the point where it was well. Uh, do you want me to just kind of do it? And he was busy with his job and didn't have time. And so, yeah, so we, uh, we, we kind of started it together and yeah, if I remember right, AJ was a panelist, Yehuda Katz was a panelist and Peter was a pan- panelist. Yeah. I remember it was like episode four. He and, uh, was it, who was it? Was it Adi Osmani? I, that doesn't sound right to me, but it might've been. I'll go check the website. What is it again? JSJabber dot. Yeah, right. It was the guy that created Backbone, and I always, I can't, I can never remember if it was Addy or if it was, um, no, it was J- Jeremy, Jeremy. Ashkenis. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, anyway, episode four. So they went, they went deep on the philosophical differences between, um, between Backbone and, um, and what Ember. Was it was it called Ember yet then, or yes. was it still Sprout Core? No, it okay. was Ember, and yeah, that was kind of fun. Like the rest of us just sat here, like, "Whoa!" <laughs> so, yeah, um, it was like the, it felt a little bit like a, a throwdown fight, but at the same time, it was very very educational. But yeah, and then Joe joined us episode like seventeen or something. He actually knows this. Every time I get the number wrong and he's like, no, it was episode this. And it was about this time of year. And anyway, he came on episodes nine and 12. Yeah. He was a guest first. And then, okay. Yehuda or Peter had to back out. And so we invited him as a regular panelist and he's been on since then. And yeah. Oh, 17. Yep. Coffee script. Yep. And then he's on every time. Yep, and then we had a guy named Joaquim who was on for a while. I'm trying to remember yeah. all of the panelists. Good old days when Tim was on. Yeah, Tim was on for a while. Aaron Frost was on for a while. Um, I so remember listening to these episodes like when I... I think the time that I started listening to JavaScript Jabber, the panelist was everybody who's here now except Aaron Frost was on there. Oh. Was Dave Smith on there? Because he's, he's listed. Yeah. Too. I forgot about that. He came on after I started listening. Yep. And we've added Corey House, and he's he's going to be joining in. Apparently, I forgot to add him to the calendar, so he didn't know when to show up. <laughs> so that was my fault. But, uh, yeah, and we're, we're looking to add one or two more panelists as well, um, you know, because we've had Jameson leave and Dave leave. 
for various reasons. So, and AJ only show up once this year. <laughs> yeah, you're you're the David Brady of JavaScript Jabber because David used to do that. He'd show up like once every month or something. But, what is the special occasion today? Well, it's Valentine's I, Day today, but so, so that's our that's the Valentine's gift is AJ graces us with his presence. That's right, AJ loves you, all of you. <laughs> All well, of you out there listening, it's AJ. <laughs> that's true. That's that's my. I couldn't get you all roses. I tried to get as many of you roses as I could, but yeah, for the rest of you, it's just the sound of my voice, which I think is <laughs> it's <better>. just roses. <laughs> and my breath smells better too. So yeah. <laughs> so Amy, when about did you start listening to the show? Oh man, I. It was probably 2014. Was that before or after you were a guest? Oh, that was way before. Okay. Yeah. I probably started listening, I mean, like, yeah, like 2014. So I hadn't been listening for that long. I did listen to Ruby Rogues for a while, though. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's that's the, the other show that, that was that uh, inspired this one. So, well, that's cool. Um, I'm curious, do you guys have any highlights, uh, things that you either heard or participated in on the show that kind of stand out as favorites, favorite episodes, favorite moments, favorite crazy things that somebody said? My, I still, my favorite is when AJ called and there was water running and I swear he's calling from the shower. That's <laughs> <laughs> still one of my favorites. Yo, yo, oh, yo, enjoyed. coming at you mostly clean from Provo, Utah. <laughs> That's right. Mostly clean. Missed a spot. Let me go back and get that. Um, I just really loved every time we've had a good, uh, what did you call it earlier? Heated debate on the show. Those are always my favorites. Or the computer science stuff. I mean, I still go back to um, the V8 guys with that that show we had with them. Um, I can't remember their names off the top of my head. Are you talking about the one we did like four years ago with Casper yeah. and um, I'd have to go look now, but I mean, I just love, I just love the more computer science-y stuff and the more artistic stuff, you know, or, where that the science and the art cross paths. And I love hearing people that are passionate about their, um, their discoveries in, in coding. So, yeah. Yeah, my favorite art these days is TypeScript. I'm trying I'm not, to. I'm not I, even gonna. I'm, I'm trying to push gonna, AJ's buttons. I'm not even gonna. <laughs> I can't even right now. <laughs> yeah, I think I think one of my highlights too was uh, you know just some of the people that we've got got on the show where we got some of their story right. So uh, Brendan Ike is one that comes to mind where he came in and. Um, basically told us where JavaScript came from, which was way cool. And that episode was like two hours, but nobody wanted to get off. <laughs> so we just stayed there and let him keep telling us the rest of the story with JavaScript. It was really, really cool. So uh, I have not, I have not been following up on the show the past month. What's this uh, my JS story stuff that's happening now? Right. So um, that's something that I decided I wanted to do. And I, I was kind of in a position where I was like, you know what? We've talked to all these great people 
And we bring them on and we talk to them about whatever technology they're involved in, right? So instead of, you know, highlighting them as people or getting kind of the story of how they got to where they are. And I think that's really interesting, both from the standpoint of um, a lot of the people in the community. Some of them have been doing this for a long time and some of them haven't. And it doesn't really seem to matter which one you are. And so I think that's just a perspective that a lot of newer people need to hear is, yeah, we've got the people who've been programming since they're eight. We've got people who've been programming since they were 30. Um, and, you know, nobody cares. And then the other thing is, is just, you know, um, one of my favorite interviews that I've done so far, and I, I don't know if it's out yet or not. I don't remember. Um, but I talked to Isaac Schluter, who's the CEO of NPM Inc. Uh, uh-huh. he, he wrote NPM. He actually maintained Node for just a little while. Um, and just to get his story, right, of, well, this is where I came from. And then we spent a long time just talking about where NPM came from and some of the decisions that they had to make uh, going into it and how it evolved from sort of a nice little script that built JavaScript libraries and made them publishable into a full-on package manager and some of the problems and issues that they deal with there. Uh, very similar, I had another conversation with Michael Rogers, also on my JS story. So got his story on how he kind of came around to be running and managing the Node Foundation. And that was also very just fascinating because, I mean, we get in and we use the tools and we use the technologies, but there are reasons why things are the way they are. And there are people behind the scenes doing all the work. Um, that provide us with what we need. And I think if we can humanize our code a little bit and just see the the people and the personalities there, then we have a lot of opportunities to just kind of grow a little bit more in the community and come to respect some of the work that's gone into it. So, so yeah, so I pulled that together and I've been releasing that every week. Um, and then, yeah, uh, I, I'm, I've been really enjoying that. I've been toying with a few other ideas of things that we could do for the community, you know, whether or not, you know, I want to create another episode every week and do something kind of like five JS cause that shut down <laughs> or, you know, some of the other things that are out there that are possible. But if I do that, I'll probably actually wind up fragmenting the feed. So people who are subscribed to JavaScript Jabber now, they'll get all of the JavaScript, um, generally JavaScript specific content and then, um, so, so they won't get Adventures in Angular or anything in there, just JavaScript Jabber related stuff. But then if people just want the stories or just want the panel discussions or just want like the 5JS style or something else, um, then they, you know, then they can just subscribe to those. But I haven't created those feeds yet. So currently you get both. And I've, I've been enjoying it. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from it. But yeah, that's essentially what it is. I'm also doing it with the Angular. So... Um, I've interviewed uh, not quite as many people from Adventures in Angular as JavaScript Jabber, but again, you know, I've been getting these just awesome stories from people on how they came around to programming, how they came around to Angular or JavaScript, uh, how they got into building specific tools that we use and things like that. And it's just been awesome. So I've, I've really been enjoying it. And I think the story part of the code is really, really important. That's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to, listen into a couple of those. So what, what is five JS? Cause this is, this is news to me. So five minutes of JavaScript is, or was a podcast that was put together by code school. Um, I know that they have, I'm not sure. I, I haven't really heard 
anything concrete about why they shut down. So I don't want to speculate. I, um, I know that they were acquired by Pluralsight a while back, um, but I don't know if there's some direction change with that or, um, you know, if, because I also know that uh, Greg Pollock left Code School. Um, you know, he didn't have anything bad to say about Pluralsight, just, you know, he had some other things that he wanted to chase. And so I don't know if he was the champion of that and then he wasn't there anymore. I, I honestly don't know. Um, but yeah, so in the middle of January, it was just a five minute. Well, it was usually like a seven minute podcast. They ostensibly, it was five minutes of JavaScript, but, uh, so it was like a seven minute, you know, quick roundup of information about stuff going on in JavaScript. So it was articles or videos or libraries or what have you. Okay, cool. And so I just keep thinking, I thought about, they also had a Ruby one it was uh, Ruby five, which is the same kind of deal, and I just don't know if there's enough movement in Ruby to really have. I mean, I guess for five minutes you could have an interesting show, but it's not like people aren't scrambling to keep up in Ruby anymore. You know, there's new stuff, and you you know you can go check it out, but I don't know if there's a, a great need for that. Um, but in JavaScript, a lot of people like getting that kind of a a news update from a podcast instead of a newsletter because there is JavaScript weekly. So you could get it in your inbox. But for me, I was subscribed to him because it would just automatically show up in my podcast collection. And then, you know, I just listen to it instead of having to remember to go check. Cause I shunt all of my newsletters off to the side. So I'd have to actually go remember to go look at JS weekly and see what's out there. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So one thing that I'm curious to hear from both of you is what, what do you feel like you've both contributed and contributed and received from the podcast from being on the podcast? Well, um, I think I've definitely contributed contrary points of view, uh, <laughs> which we appreciate. Yes, we do. No, I mean, I think, I think it's, I think it's good to have a, an old curmudgeon man yelling at the cloud to, keep things sane around here. Um, I think that, um, I don't know. I, I hope that I've asked questions that resonate with, with other people, especially when it comes to, um, some of the deeper, more thoughtful topics. Um, and I've enjoyed, you know, just being in the mix of things and, being able to talk with really smart people and, and, uh, learn. Uh, I remember uh, there was one time we, we had some people on that were, I think in, in some of the standards committees and just being able to ask them about certain decisions. I know that I, I know I had somebody like that on web security warriors when I was doing that, but I think we've had people on JavaScript Jabber as well. And that's, that's been really cool to have access to these really um, high-profile people that are either really influential in their, in their intelligent design or really influential in their decision-making. Um, so I really enjoyed that for sure. Yeah, we've had Jaffer Hussein who actually specifically talked about that. And then we also had, yes. we've had Yehuda Katz who I know also participates in TC39. Yeah, I was thinking Yehuda was on one time and I was talking with him. 
Yeah, we've had him on since he was a panelist. And that, that's always yeah. interesting. Yeah. How about you, Amy? Uh, I mean, there are a lot of things to say there. Um, I think one thing that has been really beneficial is, you know, I try to prepare a little bit each week for every episode. Um, life got kind of busy earlier or last year and I didn't get to as much, but because of that, like the, the breadth of stuff I've been able to expose myself to, um, you know, not just like listening to the episodes, but actually having to dig into stuff a little bit more to prep. So that's been really beneficial for me. Um, of course it's been like absolutely incredible, you know, getting to, talk to all the people that I've gotten to talk to and ask all the questions. I mean, it's been like an absolutely incredible experience that I'm like beyond grateful for. Uh, as far as contributions, um, you know, I always like initially thought like, I don't really feel like I'm contributing very much, but in getting out there and talking to the community, uh, you know, people have told me otherwise. So I think, you know, the main thing I try to do is, uh, you know, not be afraid to ask questions on here because I know that there are people listening who are grateful for some of the questions that, uh, you know, make sure that we're keeping the show accessible to, you know, people that are just starting out. And then, you know, we have people like AJ who uh, are able to ask the kind of questions that keep people who've been doing this for years really engaged. So uh, that's kind of what I try to do is just, you know, ask the questions that newer people might be wondering. Yep. Yeah, for me, it's been interesting just from the standpoint of I kind of split my time between Ruby and JavaScript, so I'm not in JavaScript all the time. And so just sort of bringing this, I think I bring kind of a JavaScript as a second language perspective. I don't, I don't know how else to put it, but, you know, where people have some backend system like Java or PHP or Ruby or something and then just say, look, you know, I kind of only use JavaScript on the front end and in my build tools. So, you know, just making sure that things are relevant and applicable to web developers who aren't of the Node.js stripe. Um, and then I also, of course, bring the production, right? <laughs> so um, I make sure that the show gets edited and produced and released and, you know, that the guests know where to go and how to connect and all that stuff. And that's a lot of work. Um and then as far as what I've gotten from the show, the thing is, is when we started the show, I was really not very conversant in JavaScript. I mean, I used it because I had to on the front end of my Rails apps. And, you know, at the time, I was still pretty much a jQuery jockey. And now I feel like I, I really kind of understand how things move in the JavaScript community. And so whenever I have to make a decision about technology or have a conversation with somebody, especially somebody who's new. Um, I feel like I have some expertise I can bring to bear because I've talked to so many people from so many different backgrounds about JavaScript and just recognize that that's where they come from and that's what they're doing. And you know, that's what they're about. And it's like, okay, well, it's not just this one way of doing things. There are so many people out there. You can do a lot of different things. And, you know, here are some of the options that, you know, just from talking to somebody, I feel like I can, help them, you know, get some perspective, you know, this would pay off for you, or maybe you want to dig into this, that, or the other. And then also just talking to people in general about the careers. Um, there's a lot, there are a lot of new people coming into JavaScript 
and being able to just get an idea of who they are um, as listeners and as people and as programmers to just figure out, okay, how do we help these people? And, you know, how do we get them ahead? And sometimes there's stuff that we do on the show. And sometimes it's a 15 minute conversation that I have with people. And sometimes it's an email or something else. But I feel like JavaScript Jabber is one of the ways that I keep a pulse on the programming community. And I am able to help people who are coming in and trying to figure out where they want to head. So, yeah, I just, I, I really enjoy it. The other thing is, is that I, I really enjoy, I've always enjoyed talking to the other panelists every week. And I feel like I've built friendships and we get to hang out and things like that. And uh, that that's just kind of my personality is I get a lot out of spending time with other people. And even though we're not face-to-face, um, I really, really enjoy just the, the interpersonal interactions that we have every week. And then um, when we are able to get together in person, you know, just to have those kinds of connections as well is it's, it's important to me anyway. Um, And I get a lot out of that. So I definitely agree with that. It's been awesome, you know, being on here, uh, you know, getting to talk to people that I really respect and look up to. And then sometimes getting the opportunity to meet people in person. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on there and, uh, yeah, I'm just excited for what's coming next. So I'm, I'm also curious, you know, um, Amy, you've been on the show for what, two years now, something like that. Yeah, it'll be, it's like a, yeah, it'll coming up on two years, man. <laughs> it seems like a long time, a yeah. really long time. Yeah. And AJ has been on the show for five and I've been on the show for five. Yeah. I'm curious what, what trends have you seen or picked up on being on the show i need to think about that a little bit um i mean what's hmm. changed in two years i think i think that's maybe a better question i don't know that there has any any like i haven't seen anything like incredibly groundbreaking in the two years i've been on um i think by the time i came on things were kind of already headed in the direction that we are now I mean, I definitely, I think when I came on, you know, Angular was like the big thing and React was kind of a little bit still under the radar. Uh, And that's definitely changed a good bit. (laughs) Um, You know, ES6, JavaScript 2015, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. That just seems like old news now. (laughs) Like, that's very old. (laughs) It does, but man, I remember people talking about it and some people thought it was like the salvation of JavaScript and other people thought it was the worst thing ever. And then other people were like, well, I like this part, but not that part. And so, yeah, you know, it, it was, it was a transition that we had to go through. And I think people have pretty much settled into whatever they're going to use now, but yeah, totally. I think another thing that's happened over the last five years that I've seen as a trend is when we got started, um, the, the web frameworks like Angular, Ember, uh, backbone, a lot of those were just kind of getting started. And so, you know, we were hearing about them, but they, you know, they didn't carry as much um, clout as they do now. And they weren't as critical of tools as they are now, you know, relay came onto the scene and, you know, people went bananas for it. And, you know, it was just interesting to see, okay, you know, the, this is the new reality with, with JavaScript. Cause before then, yeah, you know, it, you find nice ways to organize your code. Um, you were using jQuery and you were, 
you know, you were making a lot of decisions there. And then Node.js was uh, still somewhat experimental. It was, I think it was out and fairly stable, but it was still, they were still figuring some stuff out with it. And now it's kind of a thing that people are, you know, relying on day to day for their jobs much more than they were when we got started with the show. Um, so, so that's been interesting as well. And then just seeing all of the places where JavaScript has gone, cause we had Cordova or PhoneGap at the time when, when the show started, but now we have react native and we've got native script and we've got, uh, we've still got Cordova stuff, you know, so we've got Ionic and things that are built on that. Uh, we had another framework called famous on, um, you know, and so it's gone to phones, but it's also through that and through some of these other systems you can build for like Apple TVs and um, just stuff like that. I mean, it's just amazing how far JavaScript's gone. People are using it to program devices, IoT devices. Um, you know, it's 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 a much wider world for JavaScript than it was when we started. And you know, just trying to figure out how to best serve all of those different communities has been interesting. I'd be curious too. I mean, I know in the past you had said like JavaScript Jabber is, was, you thought it was like the podcast that people listen to more than any of the others. I know when I first started listening, you know, I didn't know about JavaScript Jabber. I was listening to Ruby Rogue. So uh, just like programming community in general, so, it seems like this is probably the most popular podcast that you do. Yes, it is. Um, there are a few reasons for that, um, as far as I can tell. One is, is just that, you know, JavaScript is um, more popular or more exciting for a lot of people. Uh, you know, for some people, it's just, oh, well, you know, there are more people out there doing JavaScript, and so they listen to it. Um, but we're st we still have a lot of movement in JavaScript. Um, I think the State of JS episode that we did kind of highlighted that, that there's there's rapid movement and people feel like it's moving too fast to stay on top of. Um, but that's usually where, you know, people are excited to see what innovations are out there. And so as we highlight those on the show, I think a lot of people come to it. Um, another reason is, is that um, Ruby, I, I don't know that it's declining, but it's not growing nearly as fast as JavaScript. Um, and then the next more popular show is actually Adventures in Angular, not Ruby Rogues. So, um, of course, there were a few things that changed that. I had a little bit of a dust up with the previous panel on Ruby Rogues. And so, and our listenership dropped as a result. So, you know, there, there were some things there, but yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting to see just how much, um, people are investing in JavaScript. And I think that's really what it comes down to is people see that as their next career opportunity or their next career move, or they're in JavaScript and they want to know about this thing, that thing, or the other thing. And so, um, you know, we, we have a lot of just stuff going on that, that people want to hear about. And so to the extent that we cover stuff that's on the leading edge, if not the bleeding edge, um, people get excited about what we have to, to offer because they can kind of get a picture of whether or not they want to go try it out by hearing us talk about it and talk about how it's used. But yeah, if you want hard numbers, um, JavaScript Jabber gets about... What? I just ran the numbers. Um, we get about 28,000 downloads per episode. Um, I need to go rerun the numbers to figure out which ones have been most popular. But um, the other thing to keep in mind is that um, that is actual show growth. 
Um, I think this time last year when I measured it, it was around 26,000 downloads per episode. But the other thing you have to keep in mind is that I was using a different system then that actually um, measured every time somebody hit the file. And some podcast applications hit the file five times or six times or ten times because they tell it, I'm going to download, start at this byte. And so, you know, they just do a fast download because they're actually downloading five or six parts of the show all at once. And then when they get to where the next part starts, they just stop and stitch it all together. And so that would count as six downloads in the system that I was using before. And I've switched to Blueberry and Blueberry cuts out all of the repeats. And so the raw number is closer to 32,000. And so, um, you know, if, if those percentages hold, we've probably grown uh, three or 4,000 listeners over the last year. And I'm working on ways to, to grow that even more just to help get the word out. But yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it's that kind of thing. So it is growing and it's exciting. Um, Adventures in Angular is kind of the same. They're at about eleven or 12,000 downloads per episode at this point. And um, I think it's 11,000. And Ruby Rogues is at 10,000 downloads per episode. That is still a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's actually interesting. Um, and just to give you a perspective on how those um, kind of shake out versus other podcasts. I mean, there are podcasts like the NPR podcasts and, you know, a handful of others that are just super duper popular and they get, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads. Um, but I was at Podcast Movement two years ago. And I was talking about, I was like, I'm just, I'm thinking about, I have these two shows. I was talking about Freelancer Show and iFreaks. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to decide if I want to keep doing them or not. And they're like, they're like, well, why would you do that? And I was like, well, their, their download numbers are way lower than the other shows. And I think honestly that it's just, you know, sort of the, the audiences that we're hitting there and, and the way that we, we hit them. But anyway... And they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, yeah, if, if they're not performing like the other shows, then maybe you should think about, um, you know, cutting them. And, you know, one of my friends, you know, just out of curiosity, how many downloads do they get? And I said, well, they both get about 2,500 downloads per episode. <laughs> or was it per month? I think it was per episode. But anyway, they just stopped and they said, really? You're thinking about cutting a show that gets that much? And then everybody went around the table and kind of shared their numbers and um, I think, I think the most prolific person had more downloads per episode, but most of the people at the table, they, they were talking about 200 ep downloads per episode. Some of them were, you know, 50 to 60 downloads per episode. And it was just, you know, they, they, their niche and, uh, the, you know, their ability to reach people was, you know, greatly diminished from what we had. And they had also started much later than I had. So when we started Ruby Rogues and JavaScript Jabber, that's the other thing is that there were other shows that served those communities, but none of them were panel discussions and um, there really weren't that many, many. So people could just subscribe to all of them. You know, there, I still don't feel like any JavaScript uh, podcast out there is a competitor to us. Um, I just feel like it's, it's other content presented in another way. And some people are going to like that better. And some people are going to like what we do better, but um, yeah. So back then people could just subscribe to all of the JavaScript shows. And then as time's gone on, what happens is somebody else comes into the community or goes and works with somebody who listens to the show and they say, Oh, I just got into podcasts. What do you listen to? 
and people have been listening to JavaScript Jabber for a long time, and so they just rattle it off because they they still love the show, they love the hosts, they love the 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 concepts that we present, they love the technologies that we cover, and so that's kind of what they get. And so we get recommended because we're still on people's lists, you know. So it's not just that people subscribed a long time ago, but we've put out relevant content for long enough that they they're still on, they're still subscribed to the show. And so then they tell other people. And so we have a much larger uh, listener base telling other people to go listen. And then people also go in and look and they see, oh, there are 250 episodes. And then they start looking for their favorite technology and find that we've probably talked about it. And so then they go back and they pick and choose the stuff out of the backlog. And then they start listening to upcoming episodes because they want to hear what comes next. Yeah, I've heard stories of people that go through the backlog and or they listen to a couple of shows and then they really like it. And so they go back and start from the beginning and work their way forward. <laughs> it's just insane to think all those hours, 252 hours of JavaScript. I know, right? Some of the episodes are longer than an hour. Most of them are just shy of an hour. But yeah, I mean, 250 hours of listening to us. I mean, I just, you know, I mean, we, oh, we, no. we have I have awesome co-hosts, but. You know, I talk a lot too, and people listen to me. Uh, and you have those times when, like, someone says, "You sound familiar." You know, you like you're in the the airport going or to or from a conference or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I've been to uh, so several funny. conferences. Yeah, and I'll be sitting behind somebody and I'll ask a question in a conference session or something, and I'll see the person in front of me, and their head will come up, and then they'll turn around. <laughs> You know, because because they're like, my earbuds aren't in, but I just heard that voice. That's always fun. But but that's another payoff, I think, from from just doing the shows is how many people have come up and said, I listen to the show and I love it. Or I listen to the show and I got a better job. Or um, I, I think one of the more poignant ones, we were in San Francisco for Build this last year, uh, Microsoft Build. And uh, we tried to do a listener meetup. And I think we had like two people show. Um, but one of the guys, he basically said, um, I was working a construction job, started learning how to code, started listening to JavaScript Jabber. And when he went in for the job interview, all the questions they asked him were things that he had learned from JavaScript Jabber. And so he had basically more than doubled his salary moving into a, a programming podcast. And I thought that was really cool. You know, so we do have an impact on people. And just hearing that we make a difference is a big deal for me. So... I've heard the same from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So so I'm just wondering what else we should talk about that people are going to want to know about. I mean, sometimes I get asked how the sausage is made, right? What, what our process is. And I can talk about that if you want. But if there are other things, yeah. I also get asked sometimes, and this is a short answer, but how, how we get the panelists we get. And usually what happens is we'll have somebody on as a guest. And then one if they do really well as a guest, you know, it's just like, wow, that was an amazing episode. Um, then what I'll do is I'll ask the panel what they thought. And then if everybody kind of agrees, then I'll go and invite them to be a panelist. Um, I, I haven't always done it that way, but most panelists on most shows, that's how it goes. So, you know, if, if, yeah, if you want to be a panelist on JavaScript Jabber, you need to come on as a guest first. I, I have, I've had people ask me that too. Well, I'd love to be on as a panelist. Well, <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing that, that I've done a lot of over the last year is actually automate a lot of stuff. So when somebody come, 
comes to a, the website, they go to javascriptjabber.com and they click on um, suggest a topic or suggest a guest and fill that in. That actually gets dropped onto a Trello sheet that we can all look at. And, um, and then I actually work through that sheet to find guests a lot of times. Sometimes I'm not quite sure. And so I'll actually email whoever it is and say, hey, I don't know anything about you, but somebody, you know, one of our listeners recommended that you come on as a guest um, or I'll have one of my um, my virtual assistant or, you know, director of operations or whoever uh, get on and, you know, do some research first and see if there's a conference talk or something. And then that way I can come to him and say, hey, this is, you know, this is what went on or, you know, this is what I know about you. What can you tell me? And yeah, so sometimes there's a little bit of a pre-chat before I get somebody on, but a lot of times it's just, oh, there's enough here for me to be feel very comfortable inviting somebody on. And yeah, just making that work. It's been it's been really interesting. But yeah, once somebody is scheduled for the show, everything is automated all the way up until they come on the show. So it creates a Google Doc for them to share information in, and um, it emails the team and lets them know that somebody. Um, you know, signed up the team being the panel emails, the panel and lets them know that we have a new episode scheduled and yeah. Um, then they show up and now I'm working on automation on the other end to say, Hey, the episode's available, go share it with your friends um, and things like that. So, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. And we also switched podcast editors at the beginning of the year. And that was fun. Um, we missed two weeks actually in the publishing schedule because um, things just didn't go quite smoothly switching between the two. I thought I thought the one editor was going to be ready in time to pick up the slack from the other, and that didn't quite happen. So, yeah, we, we missed two episodes at the beginning of January. But we're we're back in it now. So really quickly, I'm, I'm wondering if the two of you want to just share where you're at now. I know this has changed a bit over the last few years. Um of course, AJ's been working on Dapply for a while, but it sounds like you got funding and things like that. Do you want to just kind of uh, give us an update on where you're at? Uh, yeah, 250 West Center Street, Provo, um, right above Google Fiber. That's where we're at. So we, let's see, we, we did uh, Indiegogo, and that was an interesting experience. Like in comparison with Kickstarter, we chose Indiegogo because the type of community that they have and it was absolutely the right choice for us and our product at this time. Um, there were some interesting challenges with their platform, though, the way that um, some of it works. And it's, it's kind of like a, a balance. Um, if, you wanted to, if you wanted to spend a lot of money in advertising and you weren't as interested in reaping the benefits of the community, Kickstarter is actually a, a better technological choice because of the, the benefits you get from the page loading faster and um, some of the, you know, the, obviously the, the branding, et cetera. But the community of Indiegogo was just awesome. And every time an email went out, um, we had a huge spike in orders. Um, we also went on WeFunder which is crowd equity. So we're one of the first companies in the world that you can actually have private equity in our company um, as a non-accredited investor. And we've had a huge turnout there as well. 
uh, in fact, the, the, the round, I don't remember what our exact date was, but it's something in March that is coming up to a close and, and we've, um, we've pretty much met the funding goal that we had internally, um, that we were hoping to reach. And, uh, as far as JavaScript development, I've, I've stayed true to, uh, <laughs> to ES 5.1. <laughs> Um, I mean, like as a company, it, we're about ownership, control, privacy, security. And to me, the ability for someone to put a device in developer mode and uh, edit a file and hit refresh and to be able to see a change to an app, that's important to me. So I, I don't want build tools cluttering up the way. I want this to be not just a wonderful user experience, but I want it to be a wonderful developer experience and not just a wonderful developer experience for people that have the most expensive MacBook, MacBook and access to, you know, the, the city community meetups where they can have someone, you know, teach them all the different tooling and whatnot that they have to have installed. I want somebody who's less, educated to be able to be curious and begin to develop on something that they can hold in their hands and that's in their home. Um, and, and I think I've said that before, but that's, that's why it's a really important choice to me to stick with tried and true JavaScript that works in many different browsers. Um, it's, uh, easier in some ways to find support for and answers for, because, you know, it's, it's been around a long time and, and there's all, you know, you can solve everything in ES 5.1 that you can solve with any other, um, superset of JavaScript. Um, and we're actually, there's a couple things coming up. We, we have a domains product. So if you wanted to buy a domain through us, um, that is about to become public. Uh, it may be public by the time the show airs. And we kind of fundamentally believe that names are important. And the internet has lacked names for people. Um, you know, you're always hanging off of someone else, off of Gmail or off of Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And so this this name's uh, the domain product is really critical to not only our device cloud that's going in people's homes, but to everything that we want to do moving forward as a company, because I believe that once there's a name for people to, to have that, that means their computer, their development environment or their home or their IOT gear or whatever it is, once you can name it and you can access it through that name, I think that development is, is going to increase wildly. So, we we've been working on a protocol called OAuth three, which we might name it something different before we publish it completely. But um, so like OAuth two, what you see with Facebook, where it comes up and pops up and asks you, you know, do you want to give access to pictures and to movies and to friends list, etc. Well, we're doing those, of course, um, but we're also doing it so that you can have things start to populate in that list, like let this. Uh, this website host product manage this subdomain or let this web app manage this IOT device. Um, 
And so I'm hoping to see more development in the IoT space with JavaScript and really knock out that barrier of having to understand all the complication of things like Heroku and VPSs and, and bring a development down to a level where people can just open up their Windows computer, run a program and show people a website or an app that they're building. Very cool. So if people want to know more about that stuff uh, in particular, uh, is there a place that they should go? Well, uh, daply.com, D-A-P-L-I-E.com. Um, and also search Daply Labs, that the developer end of Daply. So Daply Inc. is daply.com, and, and we're kind of developing Daply Labs as the developer end. And um, so we, we have a, a Google group that we started that doesn't really have anybody on it yet. We just started it the other day. But we, we had our first meetup in Provo as well. So if you're in the Utah area and you want to come, we do meetups not specifically on JavaScript necessarily, but on Internet technologies. Um, and JavaScript, of course, is, is going to be a part of that. Um, development tools, other things that we have scheduled for the future. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think we'll we'll get a official Dably Labs site up at some point for the development community. Very cool. Um, Amy, is there anything you want to share about where you're at now and kind of your journey? I know that you've you know, you started out, I don't remember where you were working, a Spark post, I think, and then you wound up working yep. for um, the company Jameson works at, whose name escapes me at the moment. Koali. <laughs> That's right. And and now you're somewhere else. Do you want to kind of yep. talk about where you're at these days? Sure. Yep. So, uh, yeah, last year was a little bit, it was a hard year for me, just a lot of stuff like outside of work that I went through. Uh, and so at the time, um, I had a really good opportunity in front of me, so I decided to take that in August. And so I am working at a company, uh, it's an affiliate of Warner Brothers. So uh, they used to be something called Drama Fever, but they were acquired by Warner Brothers. So now we're doing a lot of different stuff, uh, some stuff I can't really talk about right now. <laughs> but uh, a lot will come out uh, later this year that I am like super, super, super excited about uh, that we're working on right now. Um, some stuff will probably be out by South by Southwest. Uh, so I can talk about it a little bit next month. And then, um, but I can't say like enough amazing things about where I work. Uh, so as like a woman in tech, this is not something, you know, I, I've never had like a really horrible experience, but I've definitely experienced like some not so great things here and there. But the specific team that I work on, I'm one of three women, uh, which seems to me like unheard of. Uh, and the company culture is just, there are so many amazing women that I work with. Uh, I, like, I, I just, I love it there. <laughs> uh, so like, I know in tech, you're supposed to move around a lot, but I will be sad the day that that happens where I am because I'll love it there so much. Uh, there's one woman who's like the team lead for uh, the Android team. And I really, really, really look up to her. She speaks to a lot of Android conferences and stuff. Um, so that's what I've been doing as far as work goes. Uh, outside of work, 
because the role that I'm in now, you know, I started off doing full stack and I've transitioned now to only front end so that I can specialize a little bit. And as part as, you know, as part of doing more front end, I've really been focused more on the CSS and, you know, for me, like my learning style, I do better when I really deep dive into stuff. And I realize doing front end, uh, you know, how tricky it can be to debug CSS. Cause I feel like a lot of people are just kind of like throwing darts at a dartboard and they don't really like have a rhyme or reason for why they're trying different things. And, and so that's why I, I'm a computer scientist. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I've been, um, you know, digging into on the weekends and in my free time. And I'm going to be, uh, giving a talk on this, uh, this coming spring. And so I've been digging into like Blink and uh, some of the other browsers and just like a lot of the different conference talks and um, just doing like a lot of research, like actually diving into some of the source code with my mentor and stuff like that. So um, I'm hopeful that I, you know, in addition to the conference talk, I'll probably do a couple blog posts too. So that's kind of what I've been working on. <laughs> Life is good, though. Um, I can't say enough good things about where I work. I absolutely love it there. Awesome. Very cool. You know, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I've got going on these days. Um, first of all, uh, last year was really kind of a tricky year for me, too. I mean, you know, between the Ruby Rogues panel um, issues and things like that, you know, it was it was kind of rough. And then um, the other thing is, is that I actually hit a couple of spots where um, money got rather tight. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. Um, you know, because I, I made the decision about a year and a half ago to go full time on the podcasts. And that way I could um, I could just focus on that. Um, but it's kind of tricky depending on um, when sponsors pay you and, um, you know, what expenses come up and things like that. Um, so it has just been a crazy, crazy um, 2016. Um, but yeah, so the beginning of this year, things changed a little bit. Um, and I was actually able to hire some people to help me do some of this stuff. Um, you know, so I have, they, they just came on board a couple weeks ago, so I'm still training people, which means that I'm spending more time, not less on work. But the flip side is, is that, um, what I'm hoping that we'll do will, uh, open things up so that, uh, a, we can, um, put more content out, uh, better content. Um, I'm look, talking to people about starting a couple more podcasts that come onto the devchat.tv network. Uh, not shows that I'm necessarily on, but I want to be able to enable uh, these kinds of discussions for more technologies. So I've been talking to people about possibly doing DevOps, uh, React, which is interesting to this audience. Um, I said DevOps, uh, WordPress, uh, and um, I've also been talking to a few people about reviving web security warriors. So that could all be interesting. Um, and then the online conferences, I've been working really hard to get ahead of those because last year I just didn't have the time, but I wanted to put them on. And so I would wind up frantically organizing them kind of at the last minute. And I haven't been doing that this time. So I already have the conference lineup for JavaScript, uh, JS Remote Conf. Um, I have a call for proposals ending for freelance remote conf, uh, this Friday as we record this. So it, you know, it ended a couple weeks ago as this is released. Um, but yeah, so then we should have a full complement of speakers, uh, up for that. 
And um, I'm already working on inviting people to speak at iOS Remote Conf, which is going to be the month after Freelance Remote Conf. And I'm working on getting to the point where um, I can I can let people know who are going to be speaking before I actually end the early bird tickets. And that way, you know, people who are a little bit more price conscious can grab the tickets and know what they're going to get. But um, anyway, it's been really, really interesting just doing that. I've had a lot more interest in sponsoring the conferences, which also kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, but yeah, I've been spending a lot of time doing those things and then just streamlining as much of this as I can. Um, cause as much of it as I can streamline means that I can put more content together. So I mentioned like, for example, maybe doing a five minutes of JavaScript style show, um, or, you know, I can get in and really dig in with one of these groups and get a react podcast together or a, a WordPress conference to get, or a WordPress, um, podcast together. Sorry or, you know, whatever. And so just, just taking care of all of that has been really, uh, it's been stressful, but I think it's going to pay off in the end. And, uh, yeah, just, just being involved in podcasts and in the community. And then the other thing that I've been doing is I've been scheduling my Friday afternoons so that I can actually sit down and write code because organizing podcasts doesn't involve coding. Well, not much anyway. And I, most of that's on WordPress if I need it. Um, so I've been working a lot on that and just, uh, you know, diving into the technologies that we talk about day in and day out so that, um, I kind of know the modern way of pulling together an application. But, um, anyway, uh, needless to say, it's been kind of interesting to make the, the transition over the last year and a half, uh, to doing the conferences and the podcasts. And then, um, one other thing that I've been working on is, um, I'd like to start putting out, um, video courses or eBooks or something like that uh, for people just to kind of help people more in depth because I feel like an one hour podcast is, is a good way to get somebody a good introduction to something. And if we have the guest back on once or twice, you know, we can go into more depth, but it's completely different if somebody with experience gets in and digs into a technology or digs into a particular issue facing programmers and gives you something that spans several hours and, you know, somebody who has gone in and kind of weeded out all the extraneous stuff to just give you the core of what you need to know. And so I've been working on that as well. Um, I've actually reached out to several people because I've gotten a lot of indications that people are overwhelmed with the decision on what technology to, to learn next or what uh, tools, techniques, uh, design patterns, etc. to learn next. And so I've been working on pulling some stuff together for that. Um, you know, and so I, I wind up talking to a lot of people and doing a lot of that work just to find out what people need and then try and tailor the shows to that and tailor the other things that I'm doing to that and make sure I'm picking conference speakers that will speak to that. And then again, making sure that if this is something that people really kind of need uh, a little bit of handholding or guidance on that I have something out there for them so that they can walk through the entire process instead of getting kind of bits and pieces out of a conversation we have on the topic on the podcast. So um, anyway, that that's a lot of what I've been doing lately. And like I said, it's it's been really kind of fun to figure out how to make all these processes work so that I can get all of the stuff together for the people who need it. All right, we've been talking for about an hour. Is there anything else that you guys want to go over for episode 250 before we wrap up? Well, it's been five years. What's next? I mean, in in the uh, realm of 
JavaScript, what do you think the predictions are for the future? Where's where are we headed? Are we headed more towards build tools? Are we headed? I don't know. Well, I have, I have an interesting thought, but anyway, well, go ahead and share it because I'm I've I've guessed wrong enough times to just you know <laughs> I'll just see what people are talking about and then we'll we'll talk about it. All right. Well, I, here's something that I would like to see for the future if my magical world comes true. Um, I think that we've put so much effort into um, like the, the most fun and easy solution of throwing everything into node, like let node handle everything. Um, and as I was you know, thinking about this problem of as these other languages that can use or can pile down to JavaScript become more popular, um, you know, how do you develop uh, in a seamless way that, that people can, can be newbies and not need so many tools? And I thought it'd be really interesting if we actually started improving web servers again, you know, like letting the web server be intelligent and let the web server figure out which JavaScript files need to be bundled together based on the number of requests that it's getting and which ones are requested together and parsing the HTML file because, hey, it's a web server. You know, like we've treated HTML for so long as if um, it's uh, uh, the product, but it's actually a source file, not a not an output file. Um, and so that's that's something that I'm I'm interested to see uh, if we get a direction like that that could help us rise above bloated WordPress servers and complicated build steps. Definitely an interesting idea. I don't know. I guess we'll see if somebody does it. Yeah, I think I think as we see more of these issues solved and we see more of these tools um, come together, it's it's just it's interesting to see you know where people really have problems and and how much they're willing to invest in solving them. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm really curious just to see you know what areas JavaScript goes into next. You know what what will I be able to do with it in another ten years? Mm-hmm. So will it be around at ten years? <laughs> Who knows? Well, that's something I worry about too, though, you know, is because uh, what it, there's WebAssembly now, yep. right? Yep. You know, and so now we have a different target. We don't, and I don't know, people don't really seem to like JavaScript. They want something else. They want whatever they're getting in Elm and TypeScript and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll, I'll be very sad if it goes away, but I'll understand. <laughs> yep. Well, the other thing is, is that, you know, maybe it'll be around, but it won't be as hot or popular or, you know, as much crazy forward motion as we see now. Maybe that'll all be somewhere else. Maybe computing will fundamentally change again. I think it'll just be interesting to see. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's go do some picks. Amy, do you want to do some picks? Sure, I can go first because I got to get back to work because we do have a lot of stuff to do. Uh, so the first pick I was going to have is a conference that I'm speaking at. If you're anywhere near Tennessee, uh, this is Codestock, and it is in May, May 5th and 6th. Uh, I know, um, so they've had a lot of good speakers in the past. So I am excited to go to that one. And I believe uh, Corey House spoke there one year. So 
one of our panelists. Uh, my other pick, I have been uh, digging into like some, not really digging into, but like playing around with some new music on Spotify and stuff. So uh, I've been like totally obsessed with, hopefully I'm saying this right, Tycho, it's T-Y-C-H-O. I could be totally uh, mutilating that name, but I'll put a link in the show notes. So that is it for me. All right, AJ, what are your picks? Oh my goodness. This is the hardest question because I feel like all I've done all day for the past like mm, 45 to 60 days is work. Uh, no, that's not true. Okay, there are two books that I'll pick that um, I think are really interesting. I've, I've started reading both of them. One is called Real Love and it's by Greg Bear. And it is uh, – it's about – how to feel loved, I guess. It's, um, it's about feeling loving, about having unconditional love for oneself. Um, and it's, it, it contrasts um, real love being love that you can always have with conditional love and how we experience it differently from different people. And it, it just like opened up my mind to, um, you know, ways that I've treated people that I love, but it with conditional love rather than unconditional love and um, like realized how like the negative effect that that brings into a relationship. And, and there are things that, you know, we don't really think about. And, and most of the time it's not like destroying our lives or anything. It's just little things here and there that hurt people. But um, it's, it's been very good to read. And then very similarly, I've been reading another book called disarming the narcissist and it almost has the exact same message. Um, and, and, and like m many books about uh, that type of personality disorder, don't focus on it as if it's like depression, where it's something someone struggles with and they, you know, could benefit from your love and support. Um, they focus on it like, you know, get rid of terrible, selfish people out of your life. But this book takes the approach of you have people in your life that are selfish, that are self-absorbed. Um, you might be a person that's selfish and self-absorbed, but you want to have relationships with these people because you love them and you care about them or you work with them or for whatever reason, like you don't want to shut them out of your life. You want your relationship with them to be better. And so it, it kind of ends up talking around the same vein, but just from a completely different angle of, um, you know, starting with you and, and what it is with you that you are lacking, that this person is able to offend you or that you take offense. And then also how to, um, just be loving so that you you disarm people from from wanting to use their pride or their arrogance or their whatever it is to to battle you but to yeah i mean the, the title kind of says it and i i think um both books are uh great and are going to help me personally with my own self as well as in having better relationships with people when things don't go exactly the way I want them to. All right, cool. Um, I'm going to jump in with a couple of picks. Uh, first off, if you're interested in submitting to some of the conferences, cause I mentioned those before, um, I think the ones that are most interesting to this particular audience that will be open and available at the time are newbie remote conf, which is going to be in July, angular remote conf, which is in August and react remote conf, which I think is in October. So uh, go check those out. Um, JS remote comp tickets should still be available. So you can check those out as well. Um, and then a few other picks that I have. One is one of the tools that I've been using to automate a lot of the processes around the podcasts is called 17 hats. 
Um, I've just been moving a lot of the stuff over there. Uh, currently, I'm moving podcast guest onboarding and sponsorship onboarding over there. And it's been a terrific tool for that. Um, I was using Active Campaign for some of that before. And I was also using another system, um, which name escapes me for the moment. Um, but anyway, so I'm, I'm really digging that. The, the difference is, is that um, 17 Hats allows you to do workflows that don't necessarily have a dollar value attached to them. So I can have a workflow related to a project that is get people onto my JS story. And then it just, you know, does a periodic follow-up and things like that. So, you know, just, just stuff like that. It's been really, really awesome. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think that's all the picks I have. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, yeah, that, that's all I've got. So we'll go ahead and wrap the show up. Um, thanks to our hosts over the years for being around and making this an awesome show. And we will catch you all next week. All right. Thanks, AJ. 